Every neighborhood has a heartbeat, a place that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core. In Boston's historic North End, that place is Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Boston Barber and Tattoo Company has become home to A-list Boston celebrities like Gordon Hayward, Milan Lucic, Brad Marchand, and Aaron Baines. Boston Barber and Tattoo is more than just Boston's most well-known corner barbershop. It's also a tourist attraction for the hundreds and thousands of people that visit the North End throughout the year. Boston Barber and Tattoo, a North End landmark that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core, located at 113 Salem Street. Today is Sunday, August 19th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, and episode 276 featuring Celtics radio voice Sean Grandy is brought to you by Hymns. My listeners get a special trial month of Hymns for just $5 by going to 4 slash Celtics. This show is also brought to you by Casper. Go to casper.com slash Celtics and use the promo code Celtics at checkout for $50 off select mattresses. All right, I'm back. Welcome in. Hope you enjoyed last week's show. We've got a ton to get to here this week. Some of the big picture stuff relating to the Celtics. I don't want to waste any time, so we're going to go right to our guest. All right, so welcome in Sean Grandy. Of course, you know him as the longtime radio voice of the Celtics, now on 98.5 The Sports Hub. And, uh, well, we've had Sean on the show before. In fact, uh, I still have not found the secret Twitter account, but he does follow me from his real Twitter account, so I do appreciate that. How's the offseason treating you, Sean? I notice more and more... The subtle sneaking in of the long-time radio voice, long-time voice of the Boston Celtics, which there's a certain age implication there. (laughs) I get it. And I think what happens is, if I can quote, I'm often accused of literary quotes and, you know, shooting maybe a little bit high. So, but there are other times I find myself quoting some of the great Americans in history, say, for example, Thornton Mellon from Back to School. Go on. Said, if you want to surround yourself, if you want to look thin, you surround yourself with fat people. Sure. So maybe, maybe I have a false sense of my own youth because I'm, I've been around Max and Tommy and Mike for 17, 18 years. Right. And it's given me the illusion that I'm not really as old as I am. But when you start saying things like 21st year in the league and whatever, yeah. It does sneak up on you. I don't know what the cutoff would be. I feel like, let's, you know, like you said, 17, 18 years. But I think if even if you were only here, like, say, seven or eight, I would probably still say long time. I think that's around where I would start. Also, I think it may be who came before you. Like, you know, is Bob Sosie the longtime voice of the Patriots? Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's like, when do you become that? Now, it's a very legitimate, you know, very legitimate question. Obviously, you know, Joe Castiglione, longtime voice of the Red Sox. Interesting call. Dave O'Brien's, what, about 10, 10 years in, 11 years in? Something like that, yeah. yeah so it's... Well, something for us to ponder. You know, we yeah, can go to Jack Edwards. He's been around for a good the, uh, decade or so. We talked the 101st birthday of Marty Glickman, one of the great play-by-play guys of all time, who essentially invented the radio vernacular for basketball, like the elbow and the mm-hmm. key and the... No, a legend. No question about it. But in the uh, in the spirit of basketball, I guess, because, you know, naturally we could go on and on about all the other stuff, but people probably do want to hear your basketball thoughts. Schedule is now out, and so you, as the life of a play-by-play announcer, you have the next several months of your life all mapped out. you have any big takeaways? I think the biggest thing was all the road games early. I think you get a little, without saying too much, I kind of saw the schedule. I had the, sort of the advanced copy, which is not the final copy. It's sort of a draft. There are things on it that you look at it, and you're living with that for a week or two, and you're staring at it like, whoa, this isn't good, this isn't good. And then when the final one comes out, a lot of that stuff sort of disappears. 
You know, there was a really ugly back-to-back in Chicago pretty early in the year in December that they got rid of. Trip at Thanksgiving that was originally like a seven-day trip. There was going to be like a three- or four-day gap between Dallas and New Orleans. They fixed that. So I think it's just it's the new age schedule. It's a lot more days on the road than it used to be. But what's changed over the last couple of years and what they've worked very hard to eliminate the, as many back-to-backs as they can, to eliminate the four games in five nights, to eliminate six games in 11 nights, all that kind of stuff. And they've extended the season by 10 days. We're starting so the season ends around the same time, but it starts 10 days earlier. So essentially a seven-day road trip used to have five games on it. Now it might only have three. That's the difference. You're still on the road as much. It's just not as there aren't as many games but i I think it's it's a lot of games early it's a lot of road games early the thanksgiving one i think was the first thing i noticed the reason i was able to tweet all that stuff out the second schedule came out is because obviously i had it ahead of time but the thanksgiving deal was the weird one and i was it made me curious to when that happened and i didn't i knew it had been a long time like i thought to myself as the long time voice of the celtics (laughs) i don't remember not playing at home the day after thanksgiving and i didn't realize how that it's been 50 years since that was like a 50-year tradition. Well, it's been that, yeah, the Black Friday staple around here. So the very, the longest trip we've had, I think, in the Brad Stevens era, which is going to be about a 10-day trip, coming very early in the season, I think in the third week of the season, is unusual. And to go out west so early is very unusual. I think I noticed it was the first ever, the earliest ever game the Celtics were playing in Denver. To have a western trip in the first week of November is pretty odd. One thing I found interesting, I guess for lack of a better word, because it's not surprising, it's just noteworthy, is that the NBA seems to really be sort of forcing the return of a Celtics-Sixers rivalry like the old days. Of course, you have opening night, you have Christmas Day. What I'm wondering is, are the Sixers, and yes, it's two major cities and two teams that are very much on the rise, if not practically there, but are the Sixers really the biggest rival now that LeBron has gone, or is it the Raptors as far as teams in the East go? Well, it's the Raptors, but you got to remember a couple of things here. First of all, I think it's perfectly, I think it's legitimate and fair that they gave the Sixers that spot. And it's funny, I'm literally scrambling around for these pieces of paper on my desk because last year during the playoffs, in an attempt to scare my son as to how dangerous the Sixers were going to be, I remember doing a math problem. I just found it with a different with the red and green for the Sixers and Celtics, showing how much better the Sixers had been in the second half of the year. And as I look at it, if you include the first round of the playoffs when they beat Miami in five games, the Sixers went 37 and 10 in the last 47 games they played before the playoff series with the Celtics. So mm-hmm. they they are legit. In that regard, I think everyone will remember, if you say Celtics-Sixers playoffs last year, everyone thinks, oh, it was an easy, the Celtics beat them in five, it was a, you know, pretty demonstrative, it wasn't. It was a, it was as narrow a five-game series win as you can possibly have. I think the Sixers won a game easily, the Celtics won a game easily, and the other three, it could have been 4-1 Sixers. You know, the one play each game, and pretty much, and the Sixers win the series in five. So, it was a much closer series, I think, than people realize, and you're factoring in two things here, when you're talking about the easy and this exactly how you started this question about them sort of force-feeding the Sixers. Two things have happened. The East, which didn't have a lot of marquee teams to begin with, lost one because Cleveland is no longer a marquee team. Sure. And Toronto is not an attractive television team because of the mar- you don't get credit. It's funny. People think of Toronto. We've got to get to Kawhi here in Toronto and the biggest misconceptions about it. But from a television standpoint, it does not help ABC and TNT, whatever, to have all these Raptor games on. So therefore, by the process of elimination, the Sixers are the second most attractive team in the Eastern Conference with, you know, Cleveland gone and Toronto having the asterisk of uh, not really counting. And after that, 
what are you talking about? The best team, best of the East after that might be Indiana. Is that an attractive TV team? No. You know, not unless they're in those Hickory you know, Giannis is anyway. attractive, but it's still Milwaukee. So the East is not a, an attractive television property, which is why I think I tweeted this out. It was based on the original schedule, and this final schedule ESPN added – They've already added a Boston-Toronto game, which means I think I had that tweet about how every game against Golden State, the Lakers, Houston, and now you can add Toronto to Milwaukee and Philadelphia. There were 22 games, I think, against those eight teams. All 22 are on national TV. You teased it. Give me uh, some of the Kawhi Leonard misconceptions. because where, well, I, where, I think what... my big, the biggest takeaway I had about Kawhi, the Kawhi Leonard story and reading what people had to say about Kawhi going to Toronto mm. is that people need to go visit Toronto. The, the biggest misconception is that it's this dumpy, to, awful oh my city. Gosh, yeah. Toronto, I mean, all things being equal, which they aren't because it is a Canadian city and all the like TV, you know, when people ask me one of the most common non-basketball questions Max and I get, where's your favorite place to go? Where are your favorite cities to go on the tour? This is more of an August conversation. <laughs> There's nothing going on. <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, like Toronto to me is top three. I mean, it's an amazing city, and people who think, oh, my gosh, he's being sent to this outpost of, um, I can't think of two or three, four places maybe in the league I'd rather go than uh, than Toronto. But that was number one. Uh, the quiet thing is going to be fascinating because we just you literally don't know what you're going to get. And I think to play devil's advocate, even when people were talking about the Celtics possibly making a move, and obviously that didn't fit, there aren't going to be enough minutes as, there, as it stands now if you put Kawhi into a, a wing situation where there's already Hayward and Tatum and Brown or whatever. Mm. But when that was going on, mostly to play devil's advocate because obviously it's a very high-level player. Here are the two things you have to remember, and I think he'll be great in Toronto, and I think he might stay in Toronto. You don't, you know, Paul George stayed in OKC, and OKC is a less attractive place to me, particularly when you're talking about an easier route to the finals. Kawhi Leonard, I, I heard this on talk shows a lot, he was one of the top five players in the league two years ago, and it's true. So was Isaiah Thomas. So, number one, you're coming off an injury, and you don't know what is going on. And number two, the reality is, Kawhi, you've got to face this fact. Say a million good things about him, and those are obvious. He took a walk last year. He took a walk on the gold standard franchise and coach in the NBA. Just held them up. It's amazing they got a player like DeMar DeRozan for him. You know, it was another typical smart Spurs move to make the, make the deal when they did. But I think they're going to be, I think there are chemi- there's a chemistry issue. Same way the Celtic group hasn't played together yet. That's a big change after all the years of Lowry and DeRozan for it now to be a Lowry-Kawhi Leonard group up there. It's, you know, it might take a while. Obviously, this was the number one seed last year. Most people would say you're not taking a step back when you trade DeRozan for uh, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, it really does surprise me, all the people. And there, there were quite a few that came out and just killed the Spurs for the deal. I actually thought that, and maybe I was in the minority, I thought the Spurs all when you factor everything in the fact that he wanted out so badly and of course the uncertainties involving the injury I thought the Spurs actually maybe got the better end of the deal, depending on Kawhi's health and whether he sticks around, obviously. Get back to Sean in just a sec. I want to tell you today's episode of Celtics Beat is brought to you by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best sleep one night at a time. You spend one-third of your life sleeping. Why be uncomfortable? Casper products are designed with you in mind. Everything they make supports any type of body. Not sure what mattress is right for you? Well, start with the original Casper. With over 20,000 reviews, it's quickly becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. The Casper is equipped with multiple supportive memory foams, and it regulates your body temperature through the night. Casper also sells more than just mattresses. They sell sheets and pillows to ensure a better overall sleep experience, and they do it at affordable prices because they sell directly to you. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep on a trial. 
trial. If you don't like it, no sweat. Free shipping and returns to customers in the U.S. and Canada. What are you waiting for? Get $50 off select mattresses by going to casper.com slash Celtics and using the promo code Celtics at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Let's get back to Sean. And you know, on that, if everybody is healthy, which we have no way of knowing that, but it's mid-August, so let's just play the game. If everyone's healthy, Kawhi in Toronto, Hayward and Kyrie in Boston... Are the Celtics still the team to beat in the East, or did Leonard shift the balance back to Toronto, which, of course, as you just said, was the number one seed last year? I think it's really close, but I have no. I think it's perfectly logical to make the Celtics the team to beat because of the and for whatever that's worth in August or opening night, which, as we know, is nothing. And I think I don't remember exactly what I said when the Gordon Hayward injury happened, but it was. I remember something being in there about how everyone thinks they know what's going to happen, and then something immediately happens in a season. A little did we know it'd be five minutes in that changes you know every, everything we thought as it turned out it didn't change it and the Celtics went to game seven of the conference finals anyway which is mostly where people thought they were going to be anyway but I, I think that's perfectly logical to say as good as Toronto's going to be that you're adding Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving to a team that was five minutes away from the finals you're the team to beat I think the only thing about this year and there's extraordinary excitement you know if there's a down I mean you really have to work hard to find a downside to the Celtics season and the only one really that's there is the expectations and I just talked about a tough early schedule and a lot of road games early on and what happens I remember using this a random example way before we saw the schedule if this team starts out 11 and 10 people are going to freak out a little bit right because everyone just assumes they're just going to roar out of the gate and maybe they will but given the fact they have all these I think nine of the first 13 on the road or some, some I don't know the exact number but it's I think that's right I think it's nine of the first 13 on the road if you go nine and four, people are going to say, "Oh, the Celtics, so what? Nine and four, it's not a big." If you go nine and four with nine of the thirteen being on the road, that's a heck of a start. Yeah. And yet, I think the expectations are going to be so high. You know, look at the the first week of the season, for example, the very first week of the season. Philadelphia going to be pumped up. It's opening night. That's a you know, let's say a toss-up game. You're, you know, you're at home. You're going to be expected to win. You're playing a really good Philadelphia team. Sixers won a game here last year, late in the season, national televised game. Let's say you don't win that game. Your next game is at Toronto. That's as about as tough a game as you're going to have in the Eastern Conference at mm-hmm. Toronto. And then the third night, you're playing the Knicks, but it's the second night of a back-to-back. I didn't check the Knicks schedule yet to see if they're playing the night before. But all of a sudden, you have an opening week, depending on how you look at it, very conceivably be a one-and-two week. And this is my point. You start looking at a long road trip. At Indiana, it's a tough game. At Denver, is a tough game. At Utah, on the second night of a back-to-back, Jazz are considered by pretty much everybody to be a top-ten team, by some to be top six, top seven. Mm-hmm. Gordon Hayward going back to Utah, again, back-to-back. And then you're at Portland. It's not an easy start to the schedule. So, And there's another. And I think you get the next week, Toronto and Utah at home. So I think the first 17 games or so of the season is a pretty rough stretch. I think, I think you're going, I think you got a game at OKC very early in the year, like you had last year. And remember, people were upset, right, Adam, about that Pythagorean, about the prediction, the ESPN prediction machine. Right, I don't remember what the number was, but yeah, it was low. Like that. Whatever the number was. That was based on the fact that what the Brad Stevens teams have done the last two years is basically win more games than they should, than they had any right winning. And that's amazing when it happens, but it just creates these artificial expectations for the next year to top it. And the Celtics' 50-whatever-win season last year 
come to 55 wins, right? That comes apart pretty easily on closer examination. Because let's talk about the 16-game winning streak at the beginning. Yeah, the Celtics started 16-2, and two, and you would have bet a billion dollars against them winning 16 in a row. Oh, yeah. After the, after the 0-2 start. But you had this crazy Kyrie game in Dallas. They beat Atlanta at the buzzer. There was game after game after game that easily could have gone the other way. And mm-hmm. the Celtics ended up in a year, and they were 34-10 and 10 after London. They did, and that was after another 22-point comeback or whatever. Remember that thing that I tweeted all the time last year about the, the win probability? Right. How many games did they steal that they had no business hmm. winning? My point is that the Celtics could go 55-27 and 27 again, and people are going to be really blah about that, and they could have had a significantly better year. Well, wasn't it? It was something stupid, like 12 wins or maybe even more than that yeah. when coming from behind by double digits. And, right. And or having that, you know, that win probability, which is... And it's funny. It's amazing. I'm sure you get this to some degree. There's always that problem with Twitter and all social media is the extraordinary vocal minority. Yeah. You know, it seems like if 1% of the people that follow you, if 1% of them are like violently react to something, that seems like a landslide, right? That's an that's yeah. overwhelming reaction, yet you're not realizing that's 1%. And it's never 1%. It's always much, much less than that. But people always, oh, that status flawed. That win, it's, <laughs> it's it's actual numbers. That is your chances of when you're down by 12 on the road with nine minutes to go. NBA teams lose 96 percent of those games. Those are the numbers. They are what they are. When I think the Houston one was the all-time. When you're down by 28 at home or wherever, when you're down by 28 early in the third quarter of a game, teams lose those games 99.8 percent of the time. It, that's the facts. That's what they are. And the Celtics had so many of those wins last year. Well, and I. Obviously, mentioned the just the what will the win totals be and and how difficult that start is, especially on the road in the first you know x number of games. The one thing it doesn't even take into account, you did acknowledge this earlier, is just we don't know what the chemistry is going to be for this group. We hope, we imagine, we believe, we think, but we don't know because really, what was intended to be the team last year and effectively this year really only played together for five minutes before Gordon Hayward went down. So one of the things I guess where that takes me is. Paul Pierce talked to Boston.com recently, said, and it's kind of common sense, but really not enough people are necessarily talking about this, is that if the Seas want to win a title, or at least be in the finals, as Jalen Brown recently guaranteed on another show, they're going to have to sacrifice, like those teams did during the new Big Three era. You know, we figured that we would see that last year, essentially, but the injuries, they altered course, and all of a sudden it was a totally different look. But are Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward prepared to basically give up some of the points that they're used to scoring in order to spread the wealth, or will others just see their point production decrease? I think that it's not really points, it's shots. And I think, you know, Kyrie may have the biggest adjustment, remember, because his he hasn't hasn't played with Gordon yet. There were times I thought in the first so the first half of that winning streak, first 10, 12, 13 games of the year, Al Horford was Celtics' best player. I think Kyrie was trying to still figure it out and what his role was going to be on this team. And then when he took off, it was a sight to see. I, I think of that game in Dallas is usually the first. You could see he was starting to turn the corner. I remember that night in Dallas, Max and I talking about like a 50-point game is coming. And you could see it was, it was going to be there. I don't know how it's going to look. One of the dangers of this year is going to be that off-day story, right, about Kyrie is averaging 19 a game instead of 26. He's getting this number shot. Celtics are doing well, but there's nothing else to talk about except, oh, Kyrie's not getting his numbers. Maybe he's not ha- And then right. we're going to go down the road <laughs> that we would have gone with Marcus Smart, which, which would have been every day at the Isaiah Thomas thing didn't happen last year. And isn't it amazing, just when you think you know this league, that the Brinks truck turned out to be a Tonka truck, right? Right. <laughs> You know, I actually think, just again, self-referencing as you can do in podcast form, I think Denver is a great spot because I believe 
Mike Malone has always been at the front of that band, even with all the people that jumped off, all the people that have jumped on and off the Isaiah bandwagon over the last 18 months. Mike Malone was always at the front of it. So I think Isaiah is going to get his numbers up and thus get his dollars up, and I think he'll do fine, even in that crowded free agency class. Still won't be the Brinks truck that he's well, no, uh, you know, always you talked know, about, but yeah, he should do I'm fine. I'm actually surprised the way it turned out. I thought he'd get more money from someone. That's just a matter of, because I think we're now in the, what's in vogue, and I think going to continue to be in vogue with the current collective bargaining agreement are these J.J. Reddick deals. Mm. You know, the one-year big money deals. That was my biggest concern about Marcus Smart. The free agent market disappearing, and then a team like, you know, Indiana was the team that most concerned me, but the real wild card was just that insanity in Sacramento that they could easily go, okay, we'll give Marcus Smart $20 million for one year, and then the Celtics would have had to match, you know, that really would have been a tough dollar figure for the Celtics to match. But how much the Celtics and Kyrie are able to play down for agency situation is interesting, and it's really just the, one of the few flaws in the collective bargaining agreement is that this situation is sort of forced because there was no reason whatsoever for Kyrie. If Kyrie was the happiest guy in the world in Boston and had decided he wanted to spend the rest of his life as a Celtic and loved it here, he's still not signing that deal because it just doesn't make sense. No, you have to wait, him. obviously, to max exactly. out. So it just creates an artificial opening. If there's nothing else to write about because things are going well, it's going to be there. And if things aren't going well, it's going to be even worse because... You'll, you know, you have people looking for, for little cracks. And, you know, expectations, I guarantee you, write this down right now. Brad Stevens, opening day training camp, all the players in Brad are going to say the same thing. We love the expectations. Bring it on. But eventually, one would think, you know what Brad has done here? He has won more games each of his first five years, mm-hmm. and now advanced, technically advanced farther in each of the five years. That's never happened before, ever. My favorite stat, it was of all my Al Horford stats of all time, which try to sneak in because people don't, they'll just never, he'll always be Pete Sampras, right? He'll always yeah, be people are never going to get it. They'll never get it, and that's fine. There are only two coaches in NBA history, in the history of the league, that won more games in each of their first five years. Brad Stevens and the other was Mike Woodson in Atlanta. Hmm. What do those two teams and two coaches have in common? Let's see. Could it be, I don't know, Al Horford? So I love that. It's a great stat anyway, but then when you add the <laughs> You know, so, but but to your point about the uh, the vocal loud one percent, you know, people listening to this will hear you say that and still say, yeah, but so what? What's Horford do? Yeah, and that's and you know, I, I think to some degree, and let's say this might apply to other things that may be happening in our world with people in high government office. At some point, <laughs> you have to say, you know, you become the mark if you get angry at that. If you get angry at anybody's crazy tweets, right? At some point, you're the like you got to say that like, what are you expecting? And at some point, you can no longer say, what are you talking about Al Horford isn't like? If you don't think that Al Horford is an elite player in the NBA, you either don't understand basketball or you're trolling for your, tw- your social media audience or your talk show audience. And either of those things are fine. It's a free country. Go crazy. But it's insane to think that Al Horford is not an elite NBA player. It's insanity. Well, you're not going to get any disagreement from me there. So I'll ask you, Is uh, has there ever been six? Did Woodson do six? Or are we no, just expecting didn't. Brad to do it? I'm expecting Brad to do and it. And who knows? You know, again, he's got a team that could certainly win more than 55. And move on an additional round. And that oh, that could also. I mean, the Woodson's team's never got past that second round. Um, you know, they took obviously took that Celtics team to seven. And then, or they took the Celtics, you know, and then I think it happened again the next year. They had a series with Miami, maybe, and this is where they had the exact same thing happen with the home and road games and there was one period of time where they just didn't win they won all their home playoff games and lost all their road playoff games and 
but you know, I was I was in the middle of that group. Kind of sad as, as we sit here. You, know, you realize people didn't appreciate those Atlanta Hawks teams because that's Atlanta, and now you have a very legitimate chance of Atlanta being the worst team in the league. They're in that sort of Sacramento bottom of the league conversation. For the Celtics, you know, one of the things that the Hawks don't have that the Seas certainly do is depth. You know, we celebrate it almost to the point of being obnoxious, a lot of us. But when I talk to you about what Pierce said as far as having to really sacrifice, I'm not worried about Kyrie or or even Al. Like, these guys, they're going to get their dollars. They're going to get it figured out a year from now. But Terry Rozier, Marcus Morris, other guys, they're going to be looking for new deals in a year as well. I'm not convinced, by the way, that either of those two guys is even going to be on the team coming the playoffs next year. They could both very possibly be traded given it, it depends on the situation. I frankly thought Rozier was going to move this offseason, so I'm mildly surprised that he is still around, but it makes sense as insurance if Kyrie actually does leave. But are these a couple of guys that will be able to push their individual interests aside when their roles, if everyone's healthy and it just never seems to work out that way, these guys would take quite a step back this coming year compared to what they were asked to do last year. Yeah, Morris is a big one, too. I mean, we just don't know. I don't think we know enough about him. It's, <laughs> you said it right. We don't know. It's funny. This is a common theme of Brad Stevens' teams here his entire tenure, which is too many guys for too many minutes. Now, these are the best players. This is the highest level players. <clears throat> but even his early teams, there just wasn't that separation. And you had, because of Danny stockpiling all the draft picks, and because of the moves he made, it almost seems that Brad has had to deal with this every year. There's never been an obvious, like even now, there's a pretty clear-cut nine here. But even 10 and 11, 12 are really, you know, solid NBA players and would be in other teams' top eight or nine. That wasn't always the case. It wasn't at all the case in the first couple of years for Brad. But it's really been a common theme where it isn't that obvious. that so There's always some little tweak, the big one being everybody, the top five guys play if you go small. But what about the nights you can't go small? And you need Aaron Baines to play significant minutes. You know, where do the where do the minutes go there? That's among the big questions. These are these are legitimate issues. The Rozier minutes, the Morris minutes, Tice, those minutes, legitimate issues. But boy, these are a lot better issues to have than <laughs> how many minutes is Chris Humphrey's gonna have to play. And you know, the, this is where this is what you've done in five years. This is the these are the worst problems you have after this dramatic rebuild, is that you have too many high level talented players for the number of minutes. I think you can live with it. That's why you're on national T V twenty nine times. Get back to Sean in just a second. I want to tell you, today's episode of Celtics Beat is brought to you by Hims. Hims is a brand new wellness plan for men. Guys, how many of you are scared of hair loss? I guess a lot of you, considering 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. Stop procrastinating. Stop turning to weird hair loss solutions. Hims is your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. Best part about Hims is they connect you with real doctors to treat your hair loss with actual medical-grade solutions. We're not talking about concussions concoctions you make at home. We're talking about prescription solutions backed by science. Just go to 4 right now. Sign up is easy. Answer a few quick questions and a doctor will be assigned to you. Products are shipped directly to your door too, so you don't have to wait in line for hours. Let Hims come to you. And my listeners, you get a special trial month of Hims for $5 while supplies last. See website for full details. This has cost you hundreds of dollars if you went to your local pharmacy. Just use my promo code CELTICS to go to 4hims.com slash CELTICS. That's 4hims.com slash CELTICS. Let's get back to Sean. Just given where these guys are coming from, I mean, Gordon Hayward missed the entire year. Kyrie Irving plays three quarters 
quarters of the year. We believe they're healthy going into this year. That's what we're told is going to be the case come camp. But, you know, again, we've said it a zillion times. We don't know. Given that depth and just the ability to play in a whole bunch of different ways and play conservatively, you know, you can rest guys in the Spurs-like manner in, in the way like never before. You can really limit minutes. What do you think Hayward and Irving, what are their minutes going to look like this year, especially the first half of the season coming back and then maybe overall by the end of the year? No way I get past 30 minutes. No way. And, you know, I, you can start to, speaking of those particular games, I, I'm looking at a game, I'm looking at a back-to-back in Dallas, I'm looking at a back-to-back in Detroit early in the year that, you know, bring your programs that night because there's, there's going to be <laughs> games like that. You know, you have interesting decisions for Brad, like that Phoenix-Utah back-to-back. What do you do? You know, do you play you play your guys on the second night? Uh, and there was a little, there was one last, I don't have the last year's schedule in front of me, but there was one, Celtics played a lot of games dealing with the Gordon injury. Al Horford had really carried them that first part of the year, and they came home, and I, I remember that it was a long homestand. I think there was a Monday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday games early in a homestand, and Al just had the DNP rest on Wednesday. And, man, he came back Friday, and it was like, you know, it was like that Chris Sale DL stint. Mm-hmm. You know, he came back and he's <laughs> he's striking out 12 and five innings and he just looked great. So I think this is what everyone gets the schedule and get it in their hands. And fans say, oh, I want to go to this game. I want to watch this game. People like me say, all right, well, I've got to, I need childcare on this day and I'm going to be flying here and I'll be in this city on this day and whatever. And Brad Stevens looks at it like, all right, Kyrie's not playing here. Al's not playing here. And you, you know, you manage your whole practice and game schedule that way because you, know, you look at like January, there's a bunch of games, a bunch of home games in January. There's a lot of travel early in the year, and that can that can sort of beat you up. So You know, on that with the childcare, like you said, I mean, half these guys on this team, it feels like, are going to be having kids in the middle of the season. Maybe you yeah. just give them paternity leave. you got enough depth to do it. You're going to see that. I mean, that's that's definitely, I know I know old school people are going to be, uh, you got to play the games, but that's not, you know, nobody miss, nobody's missed, nobody misses the birth of their, their kids anymore. And this is the time. I had a great built-in one. Um, my son was born in October of 2011 much to my chagrin at some level financially i had no choice i was not working then because the league was out <laughs> so <No>. everybody got <laughs> yeah that worked out that's time yeah I, that was that was the paternity leave i didn't even ask for when he was born i liked it i always tell people the story i was actually we were going over this again he was asking me about it today when my son was born that first week the celtics were supposed to play the first preseason game the day he was born on that october 10th of 2011 and we're in the hospital and they had taken pictures of all the new babies and it was like this contest some local Cambridge thing about the cutest baby that week or whatever. I don't know what it was. But you got a $25 gift card Hmm. for cutest baby. And he won that. Nice. So point of the story being he out-earned me the first week on the planet because the NBA was... The NBA was locked out. Sign of big things to come. You know, one guy that uh, Mr. Daddy's always happy, which has suddenly become a, a really stupid catchphrase. Uh, Hayward is obviously going to be having a third kid, but more importantly to uh, the masses listening, his basketball. When it comes to just these these periodic updates and developments we're getting with him, there was a video just released recently by his skills trainer of uh, Hayward finally cutting, dunking on a defender, looks to be moving well. How close to the pre-injury Hayward do you realistically think he will be come the start of the season? I think the history with long injuries is it takes a while. you got to trust your body again, and that takes time. It was, in so many ways, the worst possible time 
for it to happen because it happens in midseason. He's played 30 games with the Celtics or whatever it is. You know, he probably comes back at the same time anyway at the start of the year. This is a, you know, this was just a very awkward time for it to happen that he's got to do two things at once, which is acclimate to a new team, the three team, three things really deal with the expectations and trust his body again. You know, we saw when Tony Allen came back, it took him a little while. When Kevin Garnett came back, he really struggled first couple of weeks that fall of 09 until he got going. There was a game in uh, at Madison Square Garden, I remember, when he really started uh, started to get it going, like about a month into the season. So it takes time. The bad news is high expectations. Everybody will be watching. The good news is uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Morris. And you don't need Gordon Hayward to be Gordon Hayward right away. That's true. I'm, I'm just fascinated to see it all play out, as I'm sure you are and most other people. Every neighborhood has a heartbeat, a place that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core. In Boston's historic North End, that place is Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Boston Barber and Tattoo Company has become home to A-list Boston celebrities like Gordon Hayward, Milan Lucic, Brad Marchand, and Aaron Baines. Boston Barber and Tattoo is more than just Boston's most well-known corner barbershop. It's also a tourist attraction for the hundreds and thousands of people that visit the North End throughout the year. Boston Barber and Tattoo, a North End landmark that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core, located at 113 Salem Street. I uh, I could talk to you about probably 10 or 15 other things, and I would like to if I could, but unfortunately I'm supposed to keep this thing on a minute's restriction in part so that, uh, you know, I don't keep you forever. But I will leave you with this. Your partner on the radio, Cedric Maxwell, he was on the show a couple of weeks ago, actually made headlines when he stated, again, it wasn't the first time he said it, but for whatever reason it really blew up this time, that he believes that Kevin Garnett is the greatest all-around Celtic of all time. I told him why I think that's ridiculous, but I'm curious where you fall on that debate. No, I'm 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 with him on that. I mean, I and I think it the 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 danger there. It's not so much danger, but what makes it a fun argument is it's about the body of work and the total. What are you evaluating? Are you saying? Well, so I'll I'll it's, tell it's you why Orr, I found it's it. the Bobby Orr argument. Bobby Orr at the at his best, right, was as good as anybody that ever played. Sure, but he didn't play. Doc Rivers was, you know, my famous my favorite Doc Rivers line is. My favorite ability is availability. Right. Yeah, we so, still hear it from Danny all the time. Yeah, and it's very, it's very much true. And you say, if you're playing a video game, and it's one game on one, I mean, I still might rather have Kevin Garnett than Larry Bird, but this is the way I always used to phrase it. Kevin Garnett is the 25,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, 5,000 assists, 1,500 steals, 1,500 blocks. He's the only one in the history of the league to do that. And those are largely offensive numbers, and he was the best defensive player of his generation. And the gap is, if you're talking about who's a better offensive player, Kevin Garnett or Larry Bird, you're taking Larry Bird. But there are two ends of the floor, and the other end is not even close. And it's just, you know, tried even marching, taking these first few footsteps down this road with Tommy Heinz and see what happens. But <laughs> Bill Russell, yeah. Kevin Garnett was a substantially better Offensive, offensive player, player than mm-hmm. Bill Russell was. Max said the same stuff, and I I agree with all of that. By the way, you know, me, for... by the way, to agree, but it's on. There are many, 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 many <laughs> topics on which Max and I disagree, but this is not one of them. But here's here's where I quibbled with Max, and I quibble with you. It's it's the same logic. Are we talking about who is the better all around player to wear a Celtics uniform of all time? Is that the question? Because if it is, sure, I'll give you Garnett. Or are we saying who is the best all around Celtic of all oh, time? Sure. 
because, because then, I mean, because then, then the we, we had Kevin Garnett for one year. the first but, one, depending on how you phrase it, Dominique Wilkins goes in there, right? Exactly. Yeah. But I, no what doubt. I'm saying with KG is there was, you know, we only saw really, what, one prime year of Kevin Garnett in a Celtics uniform. Uh, I'm not sure I'd say that, but, you know, there are there were years he had later. I think his one of the most, un, of the 29 years that he played in the league, maybe the most underrated, underappreciated Kevin Garnett year was 2012, the lockout year, when he again carried the Celtics, and he did it at, he changed positions, and at 36 years old, he moved to center, and was basically, should have been an all-NBA player at center at 36, but we could have that, you could have that conversation. The best game any Celtic played, in my view, in the six years, wasn't Paul Pierce's game against Cleveland in Game 7. Mm-hmm. It was the Kevin Garnett game, nobody really, people are going to say, well, I don't even remember that game. Kevin Garnett's game in, the, in closing out Atlanta in the first round in 2012, in Game 6, was the best game a Celtic played in that, that's a crazy subjective statement, obviously, because there's a million candidates. But if you're just looking at his six years versus Larry's 11 versus Paul Pierce's 15, uh, yeah, of course. But I there's the two arguments. That one isn't even, I mean, you're not going to choose Garnett over Havlicek or Pierce as far as body of work as a Celtic. The retired number argument, there are there was a little pushback last year. I think it's because it was so connected to Paul Pierce. But the reason I don't have a talk show is the following. <laughs> because when someone comes up, there are many reasons. But this is the number one reason. When people have an opinion that is different than yours, my natural human tendency is to say, you know what, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. Let me think about that in that context. And maybe there's a small chance I might even change my mind a little bit because of that point you brought up. That will get your talk show canceled. Yeah, no, you can't be reasonable. You have to say, no, you're absolutely wrong. That's a ridiculous take, blah, blah, blah. But there is on this topic of whether Kevin Garnett should have his number retired. I will go full talk show on that one. I'm not interested in anyone, anyone, it's like the Al Horford discussion. On the, if you don't think Kevin Garnett's number belongs up at the rafters, then you don't understand the standard by which the numbers have gone up there. And the only way I'm comfortable with Kevin Garnett's number not going up is if about seven or eight of them, including my partners, come, come down. down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, but the uh, it it is kind of a a funny little tricky. I agree with that completely, and I've said the same thing for years at this point. But I'm not a, and we're not going to see it anyway, clearly. But I'm not a Ray Allen's number should be up in the rafters guy. And there, yeah, I, you know, I there are some it, people who believe that they should go hand in hand. Uh, that's the cutoff. Yeah, I'll tell you too, and and unfortunately we got to wrap. But the thing that uh, that sort of sparked that conversation with Max, and this was just great of Max because he he took my logic, disagreed with it, and then used it against me with KG. Is that a question that was sort of floating around on Twitter a few weeks ago? Was who's the best player if healthy on the Celtics roster? And I made the claim that I believe that again if healthy, it's Gordon Hayward. It's not Kyrie Irving because he is the best all-around player on the team. He's the better defender than Irving. He's the better offensive player than Horford. He's that guy. Max, of course, felt, "Uh, I think it's still Kyrie Irving. But then when we got into that conversation about all-around Celtic, he used the same logic with Bird, with Russell to land on KG. Well, that's Max is Max who understands the talk show environment. He has learned to reject the premise of the question. Yeah. Generally, what he, I, mean, I don't know how many times, and people sometimes I catch him doing it and I'll call him on it. But Max, generally speaking, because he's been trained for so many years on the talk shows, if you say cheeseburgers are good, 
he'll go, you know, I, I don't agree with that because, listen, he's where you go and you had the bread, and, and by the time he's done 45 seconds later, he's essentially saying cheeseburgers are good, but he has made it sound <laughs> like he's disagreeing. And I'm like, you just said, so in other words, you agree with me. He just, there's a natural premise to create. It's like he'd be great on the, you know, on like CNN or Fox News or whatever because he can just naturally uh, disagree with the premise. I think that's a fun one, actually, because I think there's, when you look at that, there's that sliding scale of offense to defense when you go with that, with that big three offensively to defensively with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward in the middle and Al on the on the other side but again you just nobody talks about Kyrie you know Kyrie is not an all defensive player but Kyrie has his moments mm-hmm. defensively and no one talks about those because his offensive skills are so ridiculous and Al I think it's similar nobody really talks about Al as an offensive player because when you say offensive player what's the first thing people are thinking of scoring shooting no one's thinking about passing no one's thinking about setting screens the reason the Celtics are as good as they are offensively is sometimes because of the screens Al Horford sets same as Kevin Garnett and that is the Garnett point is tied to Horford because again Al Horford is not Kevin Garnett but he is he does the things that Kevin Garnett did for that team you know he's like a, a Kevin Garnett light very light but light yeah, I don't even know how very. I mean, it's it's not it's not fair because when we're talking about Kevin Garnett, I don't know. And listen, everybody knows where I stand on the whole Garnett thing. If you're making the all-time team in the history of the NBA with 12 guys, Garnett probably does not make that team. But he's getting a long look at one of those spots. And these are some of the greatest players ever to play for the Celtics are not anywhere close to that team. And, you know, you might want him because he is the greatest. He is essentially the greatest role player in the history of the game. And that he would be happy, he'd be thrilled to be the 12th guy on that team because he would do all the things. You know, it was hmm. always said, like, Billy Joel's dream was to be a backup singer in somebody else's band where he could just do all of his stuff great. And Al's dream has come true with Kyrie Irving being here because Al can just come to work, dominate the game in the way he dominates the games, and all the microphones are in Kyrie's face. It's true. He can just get dressed and go home to his kids, and he is thrilled. He's happy. It's a great situation for him. And Garnett was more of a lightning rod, and Al isn't that because they're opposite personalities. But on the court, there's something pretty similar about him. Who do you land on for best guy on that team? Where are you on this debate right now? I think you're probably very slightly you're going to Kyrie. I mean, I think Kyrie was the MVP of the team last year. I think there was a period of time I said Al Al had a significant lead in the early part of the season. And I think there was a point where Kyrie probably caught him and passed him a little bit. And there were different stages. And I think if this season goes the way people hope it's going to go, it's going to be who the MVP of this team is. And there might be moments that Jason Tatum's in this conversation too. And again, here we are. We just talked for how many minutes and have mentioned Jalen Brown's name like zero. Which is, I think Jalen Brown was just completely got lost in the Jason Tatum year. Yeah, absolutely. And as good as Jalen Brown is. And I think the beauty of this team, one of the many, is that I think there are going to be many nights. I think each of the top five guys here are going to have nights in which they are the best guy. And that's what's going to make the Celtics so tough to beat. All right, Sean Grandy is going to be, uh, of course, you know, narrating a great Celtics season ahead of us. You can pay attention. You should listen to him on the radio, as I always do. And, uh, you know, or you can pop on the TV, turn down the volume like the folks used to do, and turn up your radio and watch it that way. But always an enjoyable time talking to you. And, uh, you know, we'll do it again real soon. You got it, my friend. Okay, thanks again to Sean Grandy. Always excellent and could have gone double the time easily. This show, once again, brought to you by Hymns. My listeners get a special try a month of Hymns for just $5 by going to 4 slash Celtics. Show also brought to you by Casper. Go to Casper.com slash Celtics. Use the promo code Celtics at checkout for $50 off select mattresses. As always, get me on Twitter at Adam M. Kaufman. Get the show on iTunes. Subscribe to Celtics Beat. You can get it on Stitcher. You can get it on YouTube at the CLNS page. It's everywhere. We're always coming at you. Want to make sure that you subscribe. Leave us a rating, a review. We appreciate that. But most importantly, subscribe. Continue to listen. The show is released 
released every single week on Sundays. You can find it, get your latest and necessary dose of Celtics information because this is just not enough. I don't care what time of year it is, it's not enough. And we are rapidly approaching training camp and preseason and not too far away from the regular season either. So it's great. means you'll be hearing this again pretty soon. Gino, get us out of here. I want to tell you today's episode of Celtics Beat is brought to you by Casper. Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best sleep one night at a time. You spend one third of your life sleeping. Why be uncomfortable? Casper products are designed with you in mind. Everything they make supports any type of body. Not sure what mattress is right for you? Well, start with the original Casper. With over 20,000 reviews, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. The Casper is equipped with multiple supportive memory foams, and it regulates your body temperature through the night. Casper also sells more than just mattresses. They sell sheets and pillows to ensure a better overall sleep experience, and they do it at affordable prices because they sell directly to you. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep on a trial. If you don't like it, no sweat. Free shipping and returns to customers in the U.S. and Canada. What are you waiting for? Get $50 off select mattresses by going to casper.com Celtics and using the promo code Celtics at checkout. Terms and conditions apply.